Rule Church Podcast. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He is honored and I get the glory. And by the way, it's even better because you see that building in Perryville, Arkansas? You see that one in Pachote, Mexico? Do you see that one in Tuxla Gutierrez down there in Chiapas? That building has my son's name on it. The church is not a democracy. It's a monarchy. Christ is king. You can't be Christian without a local church. You can't do anything better than to bend your knee and bow your heart, turn from your sin and repentance, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and join up with a good Bible-believing church and spend your life serving Jesus in a local, visible congregation. The Rural Church Podcast. I would say it's December, but I'm not sure when this episode is actually going to air. This is part two of a conversation that Eddie and I had with Michael Clary. Michael, faithful brother who has written a book called God's Good Design, a biblical, theological, and practical guide to human sexuality. It's been endorsed by faithful folks like Michael Foster, C.R. Wiley, Dr. Owen Strand, Megan Basham, people who have been out on the front lines of these debates in the church and in the culture over the last few years. And so we continue in this conversation with Michael where we left off. And really in this episode, we want to get into gender roles in the church. And we think this book is helpful. There's a link to the book in the description of the episode. And we hope that you're benefited by this conversation and what Michael has written. So here we go. You have this quote. It's on 243 from William and Barbara Mauser. Men who are led in the church by women are less than men. Women who lead men in the church are less than women. Now, I want to say this. In the rural church, functionally, and, and there's some great small churches all across the state of Arkansas and other areas, but functionally, in some of these churches, the pastor is really, is really a woman. Now, <laughs> she knows not to call herself pastor, right? right. And yeah. the church knows we're not going to call this person pastor. But functionally, you've got this guy behind the pulpit, but functionally, everyone knows mm-hmm. who the pastor is. And I just thought that was a profound quote that you had there that men led by women in the church are less than men and women leading in the church are less than women. Speak mm-hmm. to that and and maybe flesh that out for a minute. We used to have a, a phrase that I don't hear anymore. Maybe it was just something that was common where I grew up, but we, if you called a man a henpecked husband, yeah. Um, have you, are you familiar with that? You heard that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's an insult. Yeah. Uh, a henpecked husband, uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's a reference to like a, a, a chicken hen, you know, would just kind of peck at the rooster and kind of yeah. get him to comply with whatever she wants. It's it's a man who is who is controlled by a woman. Um, and, and of course, women don't women don't rule directly. Whenever women women tend to be whenever they. Um, the way, the way that they exercise their, um, if they're wanting to control something, it's usually going to be more subtle and indirect. And I think it's at least in part due to the fact that they're just not physically able to overpower a man. They don't have a commanding presence, so they have to use other means to to control and manipulate people. But but this but the idea of what you just described, I think it's all over the Southern Baptist Convention, I, I'm, and it it really is all over our whole society. I mean, our society is feminized, so. 
you know, let's say if you had a matriarchal society, then you would have women president, you know, mostly women in various government positions. We're not there, but we have a feminized society in that whether you're a man or a woman, the assumptions that you bring to the table about what it means to be in charge of something, to rule something, to lead something, all of your assumptions are feminine and all the things that we do cater to feminine sensibilities. Um, so if you think about, if you were to ask most, most uh, Christians of our tribe, describe for me the ideal pastor, I guarantee you the majority of the characteristics and attributes that they would describe will be more characteristic of women than men. They're going to want somebody who is, who's, who's a tender voice and who's a, who's, you know, uh, somebody who's very compassionate, very caring. Um, somebody's very nurturing and he's tender and he's gentle. And of course, those are not bad things. Those are, those are, th those can be very good characteristics and a good pastor can have some of those characteristics. But if that is the definition of a pastor for you, then you've left out what all of the New Testament always tells us that pastors are to do. Um, what pastors are supposed to do is they are, um, they're, they're shepherds. They are, um, there, there is a, there is a, a, a warfare aspect of, of the ministry. So, uh, Paul tells Timothy, um, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Uh, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. There's language of victory and conquest. Uh, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching, guard the good deposit. Um, there's this sense of when you read the New Testament and the words used to describe pastoral ministry in the New Testament, it is a masculine calling. And so what happens in a lot of churches is their presuppositions about what a pastor is, is feminine. And so if you have a masculine guy who steps into that leadership role. He's a, he's now the pastor of the church and he starts behaving in a masculine way. People, because they're operating from a feminized standard of pastoral ministry, they're going to feel, they're, they're going to feel threatened by that. They're going to think, well, he's, he's not very, he's not very nice. Um, why isn't, you know, why isn't he, you know, more tender hearted and, and kind of, you know, kind of mild mannered because that's, that feels safe because people expect more of a feminized uh, idea of pastor. And what happens in a church is um, I, I do, there, there's a, there's a section in the book where I, where I, I talk about um, what happens whenever women rule over men. Um, when men are, it, it's kind of what happens whenever you have a girl on a football team. Um, this is becoming more common. I have girls on a football team. So this puts boys on that team in a terrible position. Um, he could either, they could either kind of uh, go, go soft with, go with soft with that player. If she's a girl, they go, Hey, number, you know, 59 over there, that's a girl. And so they, they're going to be a little bit more gentle around her because they don't want to hurt her. Um, so it, it takes away the strength of men. Men have to accommodate themselves to the presence of a woman because they don't want to hurt her. Or they're like, well, this is the way we play the game and they could take advantage of their superior strength and they could wipe her out. And there was just an example like this, uh, I believe it was a field hockey team where you had a transgender dude. Uh, no, was that, I'm trying to remember the specifics of it. There was a, I wonder what it was. It was like a title nine thing where you had, there was a girls field hockey team and title nine requires, if you don't have a corresponding team of the opposite sex, then you, 
the person of the opposite sex and wants to play that sport can join the opposite sex team. So it was a girl's team, but a boy played it. And a, a dude put a woman, put a girl on this, on another team in a hospital, and knocked her teeth out mm. um, because he was, it's so boys learn that, Hey, the sexes are interchangeable. Um, I, you, it, it trains men to be that they can either be more violent towards women, which is not good, or it trains men to suppress their natural strength to accommodate a woman. And that's not good. Um, and so what you have, whenever you put women in leadership authority positions over men, or if they just join men um, in some of these leadership. So it's like, well, she's not the senior pastor, but she's on our elder team. She's one of the elders. That elder team will accommodate, will accommodate that. Um, and it will, it will introduce an element of that weakens the, the bond of brotherhood and the, the, the sort of masculine nature of the calling whenever that happens. And so back to the quote that you, that you mentioned earlier, when you do that, when you have men in the church that are led by women, those men get weaker. And whenever you have women who lead men in the church, those women, um, it, she's, she's distorting her feminine nature. Um, it, it, it makes her less womanly because yeah. she has to behave in a more masculine way to exercise that, that rule over men. And it's ugly. It's a distortion. It's not natural. Eddie, I'm going to let you jump in. Any, anything you would like to respond or, or throw in there? Yeah. Well, one thing, you know, when you were speaking a while ago about, you know, the, the way that our culture tries to speak of assigning gender, you know, at birth, but the reality is boys are going to be boys and girls are going to be girls. But the problem is if we are not beginning, you know, from birth to raise our sons to be men, to raise our daughters to be women, they won't be men and women. That's right. They will perpetually be boys and girls. And so mm -hmm. we're living in a culture that is shot through with the kind of immaturity mm -hmm. that we see because we haven't raised men and women. We've we've tried to let them kind of be what they're going to be, and they're going to be immature and godless, and that's the culture we live in today. So I think a lot of it does come back to that. But even as you were speaking about the church, you know, one thing I thought about is you were, you were saying those things. You know, if you look at most churches today, as important as confessions are and uh, creedal statements and what we believe the thing that would probably tell you how healthy a church is, is go in and spend some time with the men. That's right. Are, are they men that are seeking after the Lord? Are they men are just there because their wives drug them? That, that's probably the biggest. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if you go and spend some time with the men and they want to talk to you about the things of God, then you're probably in a healthy church. Mm -hmm. And if you go in and the few men that are actually there just want to talk to you about hunting season or, going to the football game, not that there's anything wrong with those things, but if that's all they want to talk to you about because their wives are going to church and they're ready to go as soon as the pastor will say amen, then that's probably not a healthy church. Yeah. Yeah. I that's think right. we've, we've bought into the lie that ability equals, you know, rightness or whatever, like, so competency. Yeah. If a woman can speak, then why can't you preach? That's right. That's right. Well, and what, one thing I want to say is a lot of places want a preacher, not a pastor. I find right. this mm -hmm. when it goes to uh, when, when when it comes to they they want someone to fill the pulpit, but don't try to assert manly leadership. And and I, I hate that I even feel like I need to qualify. It's just our culture. But like when I say manliness, I I, 
I'm, I'm equating godly manhood, you know, like I, I don't, there's nothing wrong to say with a manly leadership should be happening in our churches. Read, read the uh, epistles. But, but the point is, uh, look at Jesus's leadership. You know, there are times to turn tables if you will, but, but the point is a lot of people want a lot of churches I found want someone just to fill a pulpit, but don't, don't actually guide the direction of the church, you know, standing here mm. and preach. And so the idea is since a woman has the capability to stand in a pulpit, to open the Bible, say things about the Bible, even true things, since a woman can do that, and we've seen churches yield to that, then it must be okay. But but I, I think if I can, I don't know, the analogy that comes to my mind to think about is, it, it's kind of like I'm sitting here talking to you guys, uh, 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 some people in our church gifted me with a MacBook. So I'm sitting here talking to you guys on this MacBook. I can use this MacBook as a paperweight. You know, I can, <laughs> I, I, I can, I can, you know, I say, Hey, you know what, what this, what I really be great for this MacBook would be to hold my papers down while I'm studying mm-hmm. and I can, and I can do that and it will work. Right. I mean, like it will be functional. Okay. However, it's not designed for that. That's right. And in this scenario, what I want to speak positive to, like, it's particularly when it comes to women, because sometimes I think we 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 have wives, we have daughters, we have sisters in the church, and and maybe they feel like, well, this is you're coming against us in in the, in the response to the femininity of our world. You now you feel like you're coming against us. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, like using the MacBook for a paperweight, it's designed for so much more. So mm-hmm. why would I relegate it to being a paperweight, right? That's I right. use a paperweight to be a paperweight, use a computer to be the computer. We're, we're similarly like in the church. Why would we, why would we make women out to be less than women to do That's something right. they're not designed to be in these roles in the church? So anyway, that's just something that came to my mind, but this is exactly, it's a foundational issue that we're yeah. dealing with, not just, not just service level practicality. Well, you know, and this is what a lot of churches, I think, get in trouble. Like, well, you know, sister so-and-so can teach. And why don't we, doesn't make, why wouldn't we just set her in with this Sunday school class of, of men and women? Why wouldn't she, yeah, it's, you know, and it, it just, we, we begin to think in those terms instead yeah. of thinking in the terms like you're laying out in the book of God's good design for yeah. me. I'm reminded of First Timothy 2.12. Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. If a woman did not have any capabilities of teaching or any capabilities of exercising authority, then there would be no need for the command. But the command is a prohibition on something that she might be able to do in terms of a she's equipped to to stand up and to to give a, a, a speech, you know, to, to speak about uh, the Bible and God and so forth. And she could be, uh, she could be an executive that could, uh, you know, run a boardroom or she could be somebody that might, that could give direction to a, an elders board or something. But Paul says she's prohibited to do that. And then he goes on um, for Adam was formed first, then Eve and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So there's a rationale and the rationale is, is rooted in the created order and that God created Adam and Eve for a particular purpose. 
And Adam and Eve rebelled against that created purpose whenever they fell in the garden. And Paul is saying here to Timothy, when you have women that rule over you in the church, you're repeating the sin of Eve. You're you're allowing her to be to take the lead just the way she did in the garden. And whenever that happened, she she was deceived and she became a transgressor and she led her man into sin. So whenever like what churches want to do is they think, well, the way that we show value to women is we put them in leadership positions. And that is not the way you value women. That's not the way you honor women. That's saying, hey, woman, I want to honor you as a woman by putting you in a position that's that's intended for men. That doesn't honor her. That dishonors her because that's not that doesn't correspond to her feminine nature. Um, I, I think the what churches should do is basically if in our culture we celebrated and just cherished and loved children, um, you know, the the value of children and uh, we we just think, man, having a baby is just the greatest thing ever. Then more people would, the women would be more like, hey, I, 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 there's value here for me. It's like, this is something that I can uniquely do. But our culture doesn't want to celebrate children. We want to kill them and we want to vote for the right to kill them. Um, our culture doesn't celebrate motherhood or, or creating homes. We think we can outsource that to daycares and we can uh, outsource educating our kids and so all that's left, there's there's no there's no sense of the value of the household and the value of creating homes. We think like women are told from the time they're little girls and through media and various sources, your value is in girl bossing somewhere in a corporate office. Mm. And if if you want to, if you, you know someday you decide to settle down, maybe get married and have a kid or two, fine. You know, that you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's the accessory. Mm. Uh, that's more the, you know, we you know, little 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 cherry on top of a, of a life where you found your fulfillment elsewhere. And that's, that's not God's design. Um, and the reason why I took the approach that I did in the book is, I mean, I can, the easiest thing in the world is to talk about what's, what's wrong with stuff. I'm like, here's what's wrong with feminism and here's what's wrong with abortion. Mm-hmm. And here's what's wrong, wrong with homosexuality. That's easy to do. Um, I want, I wanted to present like the beauty of the way God made us so that we would, I would, I would, and I've heard testimonies from other people. They read it, and this has been super encouraging. Where a man would read the book or a woman read the book, and they come away thinking, I, "I, I'm excited about the fact that God created me as a man or as a woman." Wow! And I'm excited because I now have a vision that I could see. I glorify God by in by fully embracing the vocations that God has called me to, and I want to aspire to that. And there's practical guidance in how to do it that doesn't turn back the clock and say, well, you just got to be a fifties housewife. Uh, I mean, I address that explicitly in the book. Like we have to live in 2023 or 2024 have to live in the modern world. And there are unique challenges in the modern world that we can't just escape. Nevertheless, we have to find ways to apply what scripture teaches to our current time. And I hope that this book does provide some really helpful, practical guidance in that. Yeah, I, I really appreciated that because I'm afraid sometimes, you know, with the uh, when when I read that part, but I, I I feel like sometimes it's like people come at it as this is what's wrong, and we need to, and and so it almost comes across like the solution is okay, the woman's got to quit her job, you know, and then people are just like they're overwhelmed, like how okay, how do I apply this? I'm not understanding how to apply this. I'm in in our modern context so i really thought that was very pastoral and and handled handled well well in that uh in that particular section because ultimately what what we're trying to do first and foremost what we're trying to do is 
we're trying to honor God. Amen. Amen. God is the one who created male and female, and it is his good design. He didn't make man lesser than woman or woman lesser than man. There is uh, there's a role that both are to to play out made in, in the image of God. And we honor we honor God first and foremost when we honor these gender roles. But even beyond that, when we honor these gender roles, this is the avenue, if you want to steal from Dr. Moeller here, for uh, human flourishing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like this is this is uh, this is God's good design, and it's best. It is what's best for our sons. It is what's best for our daughters. It's what's best for the single men and the single women. It's what's best for the husbands, the wives, everybody involved. This is this is what's best. And the church, it's undeniable that we've we've really just failed. And they say like all this stuff that we've been dealing with in society goes back to I'm not saying it's church's fault, it's depravity's fault, you know, like sinful fault, but but the church has not done a great job at standing um true to God's God's mm-hmm. word when it comes to the design for for men and women. So good good stuff. Eddie, you got you got anything else you want to add or ask? Well, I just wanted to say, Michael, thank you very much for your exposition of that text from First Timothy chapter two. And the only thing I would add is any woman with a good enough ability to apply the proper hermeneutics to scripture wouldn't want to teach men in the church right (laughs) like like i look at i look at these women that 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 take these roles so as so-called pastors or preachers in churches and i just think she obviously doesn't know how to interpret the scripture (laughs) like (laughs) not just her this this particular lady doesn't know how to interpret the scripture that's that's a problem uh, because you're not wanting to take the word of God the way that God has given it to us. And so what other texts would would she not be? And, and I would say not just to her, but to the church. What other texts are they not taking as God has given them to the church to apply? And so it's it goes much further than just uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, but it goes to how they're even reading the scripture and applying it right. to the life of the church. But but I appreciate it, brother, and uh, I'm thankful for what you've done. This book, I, I, like Quattro mentioned earlier, I haven't had a chance to to read it, but but I want to because uh, this is this is really important, um, and I see it even in my local church and in our area uh, here in Marshall, Arkansas. Just thinking about we're 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 coming up against these issues every single day. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to be, we need to have more like what you're doing, brother. We need to have more, not just women shouldn't be preachers in the SBC. Okay. We need more of, okay, but here's the positive. Here's why, here's what's going on. And, and that's exactly what you've got going on here, brother. We heard our churches. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's so this is more than just, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. This is about, this is God's design and uh and so yeah thanks for your work thanks for coming on and hanging out with a couple of guys from uh from rural arkansas i'm you glad to do it yeah yeah you got the floor brother anything else that, that you want to say or concluding remarks no I, I i appreciate the opportunity to to talk to you all and um for anybody that's that's curious about um about the book um it's my heart is for people to absorb the content and to 
to see the goodness of God's design. And so I hope it, I think it'll be a great resource for pastors, especially. Um, I think, I think it, it's written at a level I think pastors could benefit from, but, um, but also church members. So it, it, my heart is just for people to, to fully, fully jump in and, and be excited about way God has made them. And cause I think that, you know, as our civilization uh, continues to crumble and commit suicide, um, the sort of thing that will that will survive uh, for the generations to come is going to be strong, stable, um, you know, Christian households with men and women um, living out God's design. So I, I think I think it's really important. And I'm really thankful for the opportunity to that, you know, to publish it at a time of what I think is a cultural inflection point, a bit of a crisis and I think it'll, I think it will equip churches and pastors to, you know, to obey God in that sense. So Maybe. where's the, where's yeah, the, the best place for people to get a hold of your book? Would you send them to your website, to Amazon? Where, where, where would you prefer for them to go to get it? Um, it's on Amazon. Um, so Amazon is probably the easiest place. So it's on, you know, the print version is there. There's a Kindle version there. There's an audio version that I recorded myself. It's, um, that's on audible and for any, if anybody uses canon plus um it, it's on it's on their platform so just if, you, if you're a monthly subscriber then you can just listen to it there for your subscription there those are the main places that uh that you can get it yeah again michael clary d michael what's the d for it's my first initial yeah d? i i go by my middle name my parents have always called me that called me michael so <laughs> yeah no I, that's what i meant what does what is the first name? I tell people danger. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dan. Dan, Dan Michael Clary. <laughs> Dean Michael Clary, God's Good Design, a biblical, theological, and practical guide to human sexuality. Get this book. It'll be a benefit for your own soul, your family, your church. Thank you, brother, for writing it. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Eddie, you want to take us off here? We'll see you guys next week. If you really believe the church is the building, the church is the house, the church is what God's doing. This, this is His work. If we really believe what Ephesians says, we are the poemos, the masterpiece of God. How are you going to respond? <laughs> <laughs>